0: Kidley Wright from the logo! Got it! Oh, but Kidley Wright. Welcome in to the DNVR Buffs podcast presented by the Colorado XOs. I'm Henry Chisholm and it's finally game week. And and the best part is it's a short week too. You know, it's not a Saturday game, it's Friday night. And what, that means it's like Monday evening right now. It's one, two, three, four. Already make myself do math on the show. Love that. Twenty-four times four hours until kickoff, which is pretty cool. Um Let's see. Where do we go from here? First of all, the tailgate yesterday was a lot of fun. Um, Saw a lot of you out there. Also got to watch Evan Batty shotgun beers, which is, turns out, maybe even more impressive than what he can do on the basketball court. Um, In terms of tailgates going forward, uh, I guess now's a good time to say we will have tailgates for Buffs games. Um, We're actually partnering with all Buffs to hold these tailgates. Um, And they'll be the same as always. They'll be like Breckenridge Beer. I'm actually not sure exactly where the location is. Um, I know where the All Buffs tailgates used to be, um, but I don't want to start saying where the tailgate is and then find out that they're actually going somewhere else. But yeah, uh, I'll be hanging out there a little bit before the game. Um, Obviously have some other responsibilities on game day too. Uh, But if you're going to be around, that's the place to be. And it's going to be a lot of fun because those are some good guys over there. Um, what else? I don't know. Just It feels like game week. You know, I went up to Boulder today. Um, we got all of, like, our credentials and all that kind of stuff. Got all the parking passes. And it it feels good. Like, I've just kind of been sitting here holding all these credentials in my hands, you know, figuring out, like, First of all, who else from DMVR gets to come to these games with me? Um, I'm going to bring a photographer up. Got a couple parking pads. It's going to be a really good season, and I'm really excited. Um, I hope that you guys are excited too. Um, what else? Uh, so it's so plan for the week, I guess. Uh, this is a good thing to do. Today is obviously Monday. Went up to Boulder. Media availability today. Heard from Brendan Lewis and Dimitri Stanley. Uh, tomorrow... I'll be going up to Boulder. Not sure exactly who I'm going to talk to. It does sound like we're going to hear from Carl. This will be his one media availability this week. Um, and potentially Nate Landman too. Um, but we'll see about that. And then I'm hoping to talk to a couple of tight ends too. Because you, you know who gets re- really fired up about football? It's always the tight ends. Um, so some, some assortment of all those guys uh, will be here on like to talk to tomorrow um and then since it's a short week that's it um in terms of media availability tomorrow's podcast uh will be with matt mcchesney as tuesdays are uh wednesday we'll probably go through um some of the stuff that happens during media tomorrow and then also start to talk about northern colorado and then Thursday, that's the last day before the game. So, we're going to dig in deep on Northern Colorado, talk about the game, all that kind of stuff. And then Friday, game day. It's almost here. Um, cool. So, that's the plan for the week. And uh, we're going to start by talking about, let's see. Well, first, the Colorado XOs. Um, they're presenting sponsor this podcast, their rugby team based in Colorado, um, and during the off season they're doing a whole bunch of cool things down at infinity park you can check out all those things if you go to infinity park at glendale.com slash events there's a lot going on there there's like movies i think there's like concert that kind of stuff it's cool like watching movies outside always fun uh so definitely check all that out okay um only a couple of notes, really, from Dimitri and Brendan Lewis. Uh, there was one big piece of news today, and I'm not talking about Steven Montez getting cut by the Washington football team. It's sad to see. Hopefully, he gets another shot somewhere. Or maybe he lands on a, a practice squad. But the even bigger news, I think, is that uh, Sam Noyer is a starting quarterback at Oregon State. Um, now, so you'll, you'll remember that last year, their quarterback was playing pretty well and was beating Oregon. And then there was a whole thing that happened at the end of the game where the game should have been over because they scored a touchdown, but the refs screwed up. And so they had to run another play and they scored the touchdown, but he wound up with a season ending injury. Um, He is not ready to go. And so that kind of skews the quarterback competition a little bit, but they had a couple of freshmen. They had the quarterback who took over last year, who was a freshman and that means is still a freshman. Sam Neuer beat all those guys out. He's the starter at Oregon State. And it makes you wonder if he's going to hold on to the job throughout the season. Um, because it was a competition, there's always a chance somebody takes over. The way things went with Tristan Jebbia, the starter, you could see him coming back and, and being the guy. But November 6th, Oregon State coming to Boulder. And if Sam Neuer is the quarterback for the Beavers in that game, it's gonna be a wild one, and you know, obviously, wish him all the best and all that kind of stuff. But at the same time, like I was talking about this with some other people, I could totally see a season. And we'll knock on wood after this, but Colorado goes, and you know, they beat Minnesota. They they're able to split USC and Arizona State. You know, they they win a couple of the other conference games, and then they have that letdown game that they've had a few times against Oregon State. And having Sam Neuer as that quarterback just it worries me even more. Um, we'll knock on wood for that one and uh, see what happens because it'd be a lot of fun. And 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 it'd be good for Sam, too. You know, he didn't get to play in front of fans. And when Sam does get onto the field, he's going to get some cheers for all of the things that he did for CU last year. And, and he, honestly, he deserves that moment. Um, and also, please don't let him beat CU in that game. That would just be... Painful. Um, Storyline to watch, though. Definitely a storyline to watch. Um, Who knows? Maybe Oregon State can pull something kind of like Oregon State's basketball team did year. Get hot. Win a couple games when nobody really expects them to. Um, I'll be pulling for them when they aren't playing CU. Um, In terms of CU stuff from today... Uh, first of all, like I said, heard from Brendan Lewis, and this was the second time he's talked to reporters during camp. The first was a not not that long before JT went down. Um, I can't remember the exact timeline because that that itself kind of feels like it was like three days ago, but also like it was like a year ago, um, in in different ways. But Brendan, um, like I said, the first time we talked to him, he just he he looks. The part. And that obviously isn't everything, but when you get to stand right next to him and you're just like, wow, this is a big guy. He's cut off all the baby fat. And obviously I didn't get to see him last year because there was no face-to-face media stuff. Um, But the year before when he was coming to see you games, stand on the sidelines visiting... You saw him, and you're like, yeah, this guy, obviously, like, talented, but he does kind of look like a 17-, 18-year-old, a little bit baby fat on the face. Brendan seems ready to go now. Um, and, you know, the eye test isn't everything, but it's definitely better to pass it than to fail it, right? Um, might as well. I've I've had some more Brendan thoughts, and luckily I have a podcast where I get to talk about all those. I am obviously really, really really excited to watch him play this year. Um, I think that Brendan beating out JT was absolutely the more exciting situation just because, I mean, there's a couple factors at play. First of all, um, he's a mobile quarterback. Mobile quarterbacks are really fun in college football. Um, On top of that, he's a a freshman. And because of that, you know, JT, I think played pretty well in, in the times that he's played. But at the same time, it's not like he played perfectly when he was out there for Tennessee, and because of that, there are some flaws on tape. Whereas for Brendan, he's just this totally brand new, untouched, like could be the kind of guy who you throw out there and he's just one of the three best quarterbacks in the Pac twelve. It's very unlikely, but just those all those unknowns allow for that possibility. And on top of that, it's it's not like he's he's new to us. Um he's he's Obviously, somebody who we've all followed through his recruitment and watching him commit and waited and and talked about how he could be the guy starting this year. And I think that there's just like on top of those other factors that make him the more exciting option. We've been waiting three years, four years for this to happen and now we're four days away from getting to see what Brendan Lewis can do in, in a regular season, meaningful football game. And that's really, really exciting. Um, JT, if he would have won, it would have been exciting, too. There would have been a lot to like. Um, but there's just a different level of excitement. And it's obvious when you like look on Twitter, look on the message boards, all that kind of stuff. People are fired up about Brendan Lewis. And that's great. And that's the way it should be. But... You also have to realize what this situation is. And the situation is he's a second-year true freshman who is playing college football for the first time. And while that means that there's the the potential for things to go really, really, really well, there's also even more potential probably for, for things to look pretty ugly and for Brendan to go out there and lose CU a couple games this year. And if he does that, that doesn't mean that he's like doomed going forward, but it's a thing that could absolutely happen and is maybe even likely to happen. Um, you know, I think that there's a difference between Brendan Lewis winning the quarterback competition and being the, the, the starter for Colorado on opening day and JT going down with an injury kind of giving that job to Brendan by default. And the difference is that it kind of changes the percentages that things are going to work out. Um, Just because he would have had to have been better than JT Shrout to even be on the field. And that's just not true anymore. And so with all these possibilities for what Brendan is, is I'm not sure if he's 19 or 20 at this point, but as a second year college football player in, after a first year that counts as like half a year because there were so few practices and things were so different and all of that sort of stuff you know is it is it 30 percent of the time he turns out to be a successful quarterback right off the bat versus 70 that he doesn't I don't know what those numbers are but if you're saying what are the odds that he's that after he's beaten out JT Shroud already well then you say hey there's something under his belt We we know that he isn't that that floor isn't in play here because if it was in play, J2 would be starting. Because of how this shook out, you know, we did hear good things about Brendan during camp, but there's a chance that he's just not ready. And it's a big week. It's a big week. I, I mean, Obviously, there's only so much you can learn in a game against Northern Colorado, but we're going to learn a lot. It might not be as much as we're going to learn against Texas A&M, and even that might not be as much against their, compared to how much you're going to learn against Minnesota just because that's a team that really is kind of on CU's level at this point. But we're going to learn a lot over these next few weeks and into conference play, um, and it it starts on Friday. And Brendan said he's not nervous, which is what you want to hear and he acts like he's not nervous and he carries himself well, and Dimitri said that he's not nervous and, and Carl said plenty of good things and a bunch of guys on the team have said he's ready. Um what else are they gonna say? You know, it's it's not like they're gonna say, oh yeah, I mean he's a kid, we're kinda screwed. That that's not something that anybody would say. Um And so I don't know, it's fun. We finally get to find out. And obviously, I, I hope that things go really well and we'll see what happens. Um, in terms of what he had to say, like I said, he, he feels good. He doesn't get nervous about this kind of stuff. Um, he said that it has been kind of helpful getting all of the number one reps with JT out of the way. Um, it means that obviously there's there's more chemistry that gets built, that kind of stuff. And, hey, those are those are definitely good things for your young start- starting quarterback to have. Um, he also said that JT was talking to him this week. And you remember, I think JT had his surgery last week. Um, and so, you know, Carl has said that he's going to be in kind of a coaching type of role. You know, working with different guys and watching the tape and talking about what he sees and doing that stuff. Um, in part to help the rest of the team and in part because JT himself is still a pretty young quarterback. And that's going to be really valuable for him. Um, but that hasn't really kicked in yet just because, you know, first got to go through the surgery. You've got to go through that kind of initial recovery before it's time to start you know, building up strength and doing all that kind of stuff, or even just like leaving the house. Um, but Brendan did say that um, JT reached out to him in the last few days and said, you know, they're going to be watching film together. And he's excited and all that kind of stuff. Um, and, and And that is going to be valuable too. Um, having a quarterback with just a little bit more experience there. Um, We love Broncos examples on this podcast, but that's something that Drew Locke has said, you know, having Teddy Bridgewater around, this is kind of the first time he's been around like a real starting NFL quarterback. Like sure. What case Keenum was there for a minute, stuff like that. Um, But you know, he says Teddy's just one of those guys that like he knows what to say in the huddle. And he, he tells like his offensive tackles, like, Hey, I think that I can kind of slide up in the pocket here. Just make sure that they run by. Just make sure they run by. Don't let them inside. Or maybe the opposite of that. Just having some of those little things. Drew said he's just never seen somebody talk about before, and that's what a good quarterback does. Now, obviously, J T. isn't quite on that level, but it's certainly good to have somebody who has some experience and has gone through these things recently. You know, unlike you know, he he has Danny Langsdorf there, who's played quarterback before. But that, that was a while ago, and it's just kind of a different relationship, obviously, between a coach and a teammate. Um, I do think having JT around is going to be great, and Brendan seems to as well. Um, last thing I've written down for Brendan, though, he did say he will be uh, sliding and getting out of bounds. He says he's not going to like worry too much about the fact that there is absolutely no depth at quarterback behind him. You know, If, if you're worried about Brendan Lewis, then... I don't know what you say about, you know, Drew Carter and Jordan Wolverton and all those guys at this point. Um, but he said he's not worried about it. He's not going to be thinking about it, but he isn't going to be doing what Sam did last year, you know, trying to hurdle defenders. And he said, you know, in high school, I was able to run guys over. I could put a shoulder down. Obviously this isn't high school anymore. And, uh, you, and also Colorado just cannot afford to lose him. Um, that was kind of it from Brendan. You know, Definitely good to hear from him. He did seem confident, all that kind of stuff. Um, we'll see. We'll see on Friday what he looks like. And who knows, maybe he goes out there and he's throwing the ball over the field. He's breaking big runs. And then you say, oh, wow, Colorado's really on to something. And he's all confident heading into that game against Texas A&M. It, it'd be nice. And we'll see if that's what happens. Um, with Dimitri... Um. again not like a whole lot of notes today um, again because we're still in this kind of dead period really um, you get into the beginning of camp and everybody's like stories from the offseason who looks good who looks bad what's changing who's working where oh there was a position change like quarterback competition competitions at a bunch of different positions updates on all those and at this point you've kind of settled in and that's honestly been true for a few weeks now there aren't like a whole bunch of things that everybody needs to know coming out every day um and even this week you know we'll hear from Carl tomorrow talking about northern Colorado and preparing for that game what he sees what what they're expecting that kind of stuff and that'll be newsworthy but until you get into a game and say okay this guy was good this guy struggled how does this change things going forward hey Carl you you had this your number two tight end who put up all these numbers. Does that mean you're going to try to get those guys on the field more? Like are you worried about taking the running backs off? Oh, you had a couple running backs who look good. Are you gonna try to come up with two running back packages? There's just so much of that sort of stuff that comes up and it isn't really coming up right now because we've asked a lot of questions over the last month. Um Dimitri though, he did say there's a lot of guys that he knows on Northern Colorado's roster. Um, I think there's there's a few that, that are former Colorado guys. There's a bunch that he's played against in high school, some they played with in high school. Uh, he said Dylan McCaffrey, the quarterback there, um, he played against him his freshman year when Dylan was a senior at Balor. And, uh, obviously played against this coaching staff, which almost all of it comes from Valor, um, when he was in high school. And because of that, like he he said, you know, we're going to be talking a little bit, like just because we all know each other, but it's all, you know, he's not getting caught up in it. Um, definitely interesting though. And to be honest, part of the reason I requested a bunch of Colorado guys to talk to tomorrow before the game, um, so, yeah, I think that that is – you know, it's one of those weird things where Northern Colorado probably looks at Colorado as a rival and Colorado looks at Northern Colorado as, like, I mean, something that they're almost seeing through and looking at Texas A&M. I wonder – I haven't seen a line for this game yet. Um, I was actually kind of surprised that they didn't have one up last week, uh, but but we're going to check on that right now. I would think that Colorado would be favored by, you know – three touchdowns maybe even a little bit more but it looks like they uh still don't have a lineup um oh Brian Howell just tweeted here's a good note Colorado sold about 35,000 tickets for the UNC game um 51,000 have been sold for the game next week against Texas A&M. Kind of interesting getting those numbers. This is a total tangent at this point, but 35,000, what, capacity is it right at 50,000? So still tickets available. Um, And then they've got 51,000 sold for the 76,000-seat stadium the next week. Interesting. But yeah, no line for this game yet. But still, just because there is the very clear imbalance in talent between these two teams that combined with the fact that Northern Colorado sees this as Colorado and sees this as rivalry. And, you know, Dylan McCaffrey probably looks across the sideline and says, Hey, I see a dozen guys who I beat when I was playing high school football here. Why can't I go do it again? You know? And, and I obviously haven't spent a lot of time around that Northern Colorado football program, but sometimes there's a bump that comes with a new coach too. You know, if, if you've been call Northern Colorado recently, there hasn't been much to get excited about. And if you feel like you're just kind of running things back, you're probably expecting to lose this game by 40, 50 points. But when there is some excitement because you have a new coach, you have a new quarterback, that it's not worth nothing. I don't know what it's worth, but it's not worth nothing. Um, Dimitri did say, like I said, though, that that is – not necessarily something that's been on his mind, but definitely something he noticed. The other thing he said was he's just really excited for fans, um, because there were none last year, and it just feels different. And he said in terms of like on-field stuff, it might not have the biggest impact, which is interesting because Carl Durrell said he thinks it has a really big impact, and maybe he's just you know playing to the fans, but I think that. It's, it's also true that having a home field advantage and being able to make noise on third downs when the other team's trying to communicate, like, it matters. And I have never been in those situations to say it matters this much. You know that new Madden game? Um, there's a bunch of things that happen in the games where it's like, oh, you have this much momentum. That means that now when you audible, one of the receivers is going to run the wrong route or things like that that, honestly, I'm not, like, in love with personally but but um is that a thing that happens you know how how often does a player get a play wrong because of clou- a crowd noise is it once a game one guy screws up or is it like once a play whenever it's like a third down people are loud? i have no idea because obviously i did not play college football or any sort of football where people were yelling um yeah, I think that's basically it for Dimitri. He's excited. He's excited to see all the receivers. He wants to get back out there. He's excited for Brendan. He feels like there's a bunch of chemistry it's building there because Brendan's been working with the ones so much. Um, yeah. That's, uh, that's basically all I've got right now. But uh, I do want to get into some of the Pac-12 news because we did hear that the Pac-12 will not be expanding, and personally, you know, I've I've seen both sides of this. Matt McChesney makes some good points. Also, I don't really think that it's necessary, uh, but we'll talk about that um, after we take a quick break. First of all, I want to remind you guys, if you're not a member of DMVR yet, now's the time to sign up. We're running out of time with that camp 2021 code obviously because camp is basically over so if, if you're wanting to sign up now is the time to do that because you can get yourself a 60 dollars gift card with that code when you sign up for a year long membership um that's basically two things from the store and there's a bunch of new stuff that's coming out on saturday honestly don't know if that includes a nate landman shirt or something like that but uh that's got to be on the way soon I, I would think, considering we're so close to football season. Um, if you do get that membership, you can get a, a, a very big beer for the size of a normal beer when you come down to the DMVR bar, a bunch of other perks. But uh, thanks to our friends at Breckenridge, that's a great perk. First of all, for one more time, I know I've said this a lot, but that tailgate that we had Sunday morning, first of all, like I said, a lot of fun. There were a lot of people drinking and playing games, and some former soccer players, and a bunch of people from the athletics department, and obviously like people like you who listen to the podcast, and people who aren't like you who don't listen to the podcast but saw free beer in a tweet, or uh, was, I think five members of the Buffs basketball team, including some that I'd never seen in person before because they're new, and obviously you know Lawson Lovering, for example, he uh, he was not allowed to drink the beer. Because he's a child, and some of them were too. But Evan Batty was having a good time, um, cracking jokes, shotgunning a beer, doing all the things that you would want to see Evan Batty do. So that was a lot of fun, and it would not have happened without Breckenridge Brewery. They give us beer for those sorts of things. Um, they also give us like money to pay people salaries and to buy equipment and to do all that sort of stuff. And so we really appreciate them, and it's what we expect from them, because they are a Colorado company that cares about Colorado And uh, specifically cares about sports in Colorado. They partner with a bunch of the sports teams, all that kind of stuff. Um, And we really appreciate them. Uh, They have all sorts of different great beers. They've got the Seltzers, the Strawberry Sky, the Avalanche. And you should check those out because they're a great company. They help us a bunch. And they give 1% of all the profits to the National Parks Conservation Association. At least that's what they're doing this summer. What more could you ask of them? Um, so there you go. That's it for me. Also, oh, DraftKings. And this is perfect because I just got a message that said, get your free money. And here's how you're going to do that. Um, there's 70, according to Ryan, 75 free dollars on DraftKings, just free. It doesn't matter if you're a new user. It doesn't matter if you're been betting with them for forever, but there's two things going on. First of all, there's the hammer, the over that you guys probably remember from the past the way that works is you you bet the over under for a game and you you take the over obviously that's why it's called hammer the over and for every like 1000 people who bets on it the the line moves down one so typically what's happened is you just need like a field goal to be scored in the game to turn your maximum $25 bet into another $25. Um and sometimes I think it gets all the way down to zero. But it's it's just a guarantee to happen, and that's twenty five free dollars. On top of that, oh boy. Buff just dropped a depth chart. Ha ha huh. Where did that come in? Huh. Interesting, because Brian just tweeted something about it. I'm not sure where he saw this, but he says that they're showing a base four-three defense. Well, we will uh, we'll see if we get full uh, full depth chart before this is over and talk about it. Here's what's going to happen. I'm going to finish talking about DraftKings while also seeing if this is posted on the website, and if not, by DMing Carson and seeing what, or not Carson, sorry, Brian, and seeing what is up and how he got that depth chart. This is throwing me off because it's not in the packet we got today. I didn't just get an email. Maybe he has great sources. Um, Also, uh, the other bet, though, uh, this one is a $50 limit, which means you can make $50 on this one. Hammer the over. Oh, no, that's the hammer the over. Uh, Bucks plus 73. So, Tampa Bay, they're plus 73, and all you need is for them to not lose, like, 74 to 0, in week one, and you get the $50. So that's $75 in free money there. Plus, if you're a new user, you can get even more free money because DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sportsman partner of the NFL, is giving new customers $200 in free bets instantly when you bet $1 more on any football game. Listen up, because you don't want to miss this. Um All you got to do is head over to the DraftKings Sportsbook app, place a bet of $1 more on any week one game, receive $200 in free bets instantly, um, and uh, there's there's those no-brainer... Oh, yep, and that's if Tampa Bay doesn't lose by 74. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code... DMVR, and receive $200 in free bets when you place a $1 bet on any football game. That's promo code DMVR to get your free $200 in free bets instantly for a limited time, only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, Colorado only, new customers only. Restrictions apply. See uh, draftkings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. Also, it's a minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. I wonder if I got that put in there because I just said deposit $1 in the past. Who knows? Um, Didn't get any emails about it. That's for sure. But uh, okay, so with this depth chart thing, um, so Brian tweeted, Colorado's, Latest depth chart shows a 4-3 base defense. Previous charts have shown 3-4. Jalen Sami and Naeem Rodman as first-team tackles. Terrence Lang and Carson Wells at end. Nate Lamb and Marvin Ham the second, and Quinn Perry at the inside linebacker spots. Huh. I wonder what he means by that. Does that mean those are the three starting linebackers? Nate Lamb and Marvin Ham, Quinn Perry? Or are those just, like, middle linebackers and, like, the Mike with two outside linebackers being like Robert Barnes and John Van Deest or Jack Lamb or something like that. Um, that is the only tweet he has about this depth chart. Well, if something comes out or if I get an email or... See, because if there's an email that went out, I would have gotten it unless they forgot like to put me on it which would be really weird, but if that were the case, then somebody absolutely would have just tweeted the whole depth chart by now. Um, so not really sure what is going on. Um, interesting, though, for sure, that you have Jalen Salmi, Na'im Rodman as first-team tackles. That makes sense if you're in a 4-3. Terrence Lang and Carson Wells at the ends, that also makes sense. Um, Carson, though, obviously played outside linebacker before, um, he picked off some passes, made some great plays on some other balls, at the same time what's he best at, is best at going forward, and sure it was kind of nice to throw the change up, and I think putting him as a 3-4 outside linebacker may turn out to be a better spot for him, you know defensive end, he should be just fine a little bit you need to be able to stand your ground just a little bit more, but in, in CU's system not too much more you wonder what that looks like they they start running like a four three under and then all of a sudden they got another linebacker down on the line of scrimmage and Carson everybody kind of bumps out a bit we'll see what it looks like on game day and again I mean I think that you know Chris Wilson said that this wasn't that there wasn't going to be a base defense really anymore um he said that in the spring maybe he really did mean it um I think I took that as you keep kind of that same defensive structure, that 3-4, that also kind of has that star spot um, instead of one of those linebackers, and then it's almost like a 3-3-5, but then you can move guys around, and you can put different guys in those different spots. You can have them line up differently, and because of that, it makes it feel like you're doing a bunch of different things instead of just having one base structure. Maybe they are playing between a 4-3 and a 3-4, um maybe it is just a four three. It's definitely uh interesting and definitely I mean, once I get my hands on a step chart, and who knows, maybe that's gonna be here in the next few minutes. I'm just refresh my email and there's still nothing. Um but we'll talk about it when it becomes time to talk about it. Um Pac twelve not expanding though. Um, they they put out like a release saying that that was not something they were interested in doing. Again, I think it makes sense. Um, because again, what what's the question? Question basically is, do any of those Big Twelve teams or AAC teams, or like BYU or Mountain West teams, or any of those, do they make sense to add to the conference? are they going to bring in more money than your average conference member does right now? Ah, uh, you know, Oklahoma state probably does Kansas because of the basketball program. I think it does. I think it probably does. Um, outside of that, you know, I don't think Texas tech does, but at the same time, it means that you get to play more games in Texas, which is good for recruiting so you could make an argument with all that though i the i guess the other piece is you know if people are really complaining that the Pac-12 isn't getting teams in the college football playoff it would help just to have more teams in the mix you know if if you're if it was a 130 team horse race or yeah 130 horse race and you had a team of twelve horses, you'd feel a lot better with a team of fourteen horses, right? Just the odds of one of your guys getting in then you actually look at it and say, "Is Oklahoma state gonna be a college football playoff team?" And it's like eh i I don't think so Texas Tech no, no, they won't um and because of that, you know I'm not I'm not upset by the decision at all. um, if they'd done it, you could have gotten behind it. I think change can be exciting and change change typically is exciting it's especially exciting when things aren't going well i think it's easy to look at what's happened with the pac 12 over the last however long and say just give me something other than that try something and i get that too um but i'm not i don't know expansion wasn't going to help much you know i guess it could make things easier with like scheduling with the alliance um Because, you know, Big Ten has 14 teams. Now you just play a Big Ten team and an ACC team every year. I think ACC also has 14. Um, Plus, like, Notre Dame sometimes. Yeah. 14 plus Notre Dame sometimes. So you could say you play a Big Ten team and an ACC team. At the same time, though, instead they'll say everybody plays two alliance teams that aren't in their conference. And if you're in the ACC or the Big Ten... Once every whatever twelve years or however that math works out, you'd play two Big Ten teams instead of a Big Ten Pac twelve. It doesn't really matter. Um, I think there's pressure for a lot of teams or for the, like I mean even almost like an expectation that all the conferences go to sixteen teams. You wind up with four sixteen team leagues, and it's like well, the leagues themselves have no reason to want to be the same size. There's also no reason for them to not want to, but it doesn't, the size of the other conferences doesn't really matter. Um, I think that it also probably shows they aren't worried about losing any of their members, um, which I wouldn't think that they would be, um, but who knows. Okay, so I just got the email with the depth chart, and there is a lot going on. Um we're gonna wrap up the Pac 12 talk right there because this is more important and more interesting, and so we're going to talk about it. Um Yeah, I mean there's where to even start. I mean, I said before Brian Hal tweeted that it was a 3 4 or a 4 3 defense instead of a 3 4 defense. That is true. Um what he said Terrence Lang, Naeem Robin, Jalen Sami, Carson Wells across the front. That is true. Um, I think I, beyond that, though, you know, we talked all camp about the battle for the starting outside linebacker job, and and that's something that Carl talked about as recently as, let's see, today's Monday. Said I think f- not Friday. Was it Friday? Yeah, I think Friday. Um, Carl said that that battle for the other starting outside linebacker job was up for grabs. Um, with Guy Thomas, Josh Gugustav, Jamar Montgomery. Well, again, it's a 4-3 defense. Now those three guys are listed behind Carson Wells at one of those defensive end spots. So obviously, the way this defense is structured, you've got your two defensive tackles. Um, Actually, weirdly enough, actually, no, they say defensive tackle, nose tackle. Both nose tackles, 325 that are listed with uh, Janaz Jordan behind Jalen Sami. Um, defensive tackle both 305 just kind of ironically same weight nine robin jaden simon one of the defensive end spots you've got terrence lang justin jackson blang toll pretty big do- guys terrence lang 285 is the starter other defensive end spot though carson wells number one 245 pounds on the defensive line uh guy thomas number two 235 pounds on that defensive line and Then you have got Josh gustav or Jamar Montgomery behind him, 235-245. I've got a lot of thoughts. I mean, especially because we were specifically told that that other outside linebacker job is up for grabs. I take that to mean, because they've talked about it so much, there will be some 3-4 looks. And, And the fact that I mean, it does say 4-3 base on, on his depth chart. If you want to see the whole thing, I just tweeted it out, by the way, which means by the time you listen to this, it might be like a full day or whatever. But um, I really do think that there's no base defense. I think that we're going to see all sorts of different stuff. Because you, you got the 4-3, you've got the 3-4, then obviously you go into the nickel looks and dime and the different ways you can use your linebackers who are mobile um, you know th- there's more going on here. Um, like I said earlier, the three inside linebackers, those are that's what's listed as inside linebacker, inside linebacker, inside linebacker, but it's actually inside linebacker Sam and then Mike and then Will. You've obviously got Nate Lamb as the Mike, Marvin Ham starting as your strong side linebacker, Quinn Perry starting as your weak side linebacker. Uh Quinn Perry at the weak side right in front of Robert Barnes. Um you've got Jack Lamb behind Marvin Ham, the other spot. and then actually behind inside uh, behind Nate Lamb the, at the mic you've got Zeph and the, the the freshman uh who infamously was tweeting from his mom's YouTube account not tweeting message commenting on the in the live chat of our post game show last year um from his mom's YouTube account saying like hey is there room for a cover linebacker we said yeah there is and turns out that was him and turns out he's now the number 2 mic in front of John Van Deest which is Shock a shock to me, um as is a lot of what's going on here. Wow. Um Yeah, in terms of the front seven, again, I think you're gonna see them in different combinations. I think you're gonna see them lined up different ways. I think that I mean, Marvin Ham, Quinn Perry, they can both move. Marvin Ham in particular, maybe you don't take out take somebody out and put Robert Barnes out there. Maybe they're rotating guys in because they want to see what they look like early in the season. I maybe this is a a depth chart. (laughs) I mean, it it is your depth chart versus Northern Colorado. And for that reason, maybe they say, you know what? Let's give the starts to Marvin Ham and Quinn Perry and let these other two guys rest. Uh, It's possible, right? I, I don't think that's likely, but there's this is not what I expected to see. On top of that, you know they're showing the 4-3. Is there a chance they just go to that 3-4 week two and this is a game to throw Texas A&M off, have them prepare for 4-3, show them a 4-3 in a game? It's, it's possible. I, I, I wish there were odds set on Colorado having a base 3-4 defense when they play Texas a and because I'd be really curious what those are set as um, you know it's, it's some more stuff that's like uh, you know I, I told you guys or, earlier in camp I was talking to Mark Perry and Mark Perry said um, that that he was working at, at deep safety and he liked doing that but the plan was to kind of move up to the star spot with Chris Miller um, you know th- th- taking over that deep spot. Um. Well, we did hear last week, or maybe it was the week before. It kind of threw me off that that he was kind of happy that he'd been able to work all camp at deep safety. He felt like he found out, And it's like, okay, well, maybe that's just a little change of plans. Maybe Chris Miller, whatever. But he is listed as free safety here, a spot that I am. I've said repeatedly, I think is his best fit with Isaiah Lewis. as the strong safety. Um, notably, though, Chris Miller not li- not listed on this depth chart. There's three left cornerbacks, three free safeties, three strong safeties, three right cornerbacks. No Chris Miller. Um again, is that an oversight? Does that I mean there's there's also an injured section and he's not listed there either. Um I've got a lot of thoughts on this defense. And, you know, there's parts of it I really like. You know, it, for example, your front seven's your strength. You make you make other teams get your seven front seven guys off the field and put more DBs out there. I mean, I mean you're excited about what you have in that secondary too, but it, it isn't – and and I think that, and then I say a bunch of things like, you know, you've got Terrence Lane, you've got Carson Wells, you've got Nate Lambin. I would have thrown Robert Barnes as like the next name up on that list. Um and he's listed as a backup. It's uh. I'm a little surprised by a lot of things here. We can we let's go to the offensive side of the ball, though. Um on offense, there's plenty of talk about here as well. The quarterback is Brendan Lewis. Nothing to worry about there. Uh, you still got uh, Drew Carter number two, Jordan Wolverton number three. That that uh transfer from the University of Chicago is not Listed again. I was kind of curious how that would work together. Um, Where do we go from there, though? Uh, Jared Broussard is your starter with Alex Fontenot or Rashad Clayton behind him. Number four, Jaylee Stacks. Jaylee Stacks. I mean, we've talked about this, and like it could be Joe Davis, it could be Dion Smith. And I thought, like, in terms of seeing the field the most, it, it could be Jaylee Stacks, number four, but kind of in that fullback role. He's listed as your number four running back, and that means he's probably going to see the field, Um, especially in the other ways we've talked about in past podcasts. Um, In terms of the offensive line, we were wrong about some things. Um, Jake Wiley is your starting left tackle. Frank Phillip, um, it sounds like he's not going to be back for at least a couple of weeks. Your starters, though, Jake Wiley at left tackle, Kari Kuch at left guard, Colby Purcell at center, Kanan Ray at right guard in front of Casey Roddick. And then at right tackle, we've got Chance Lytle. So Frank Phillip listed in the injured section. Again, he's probably back... What? Either either for the the Minnesota game or the start of conference play. Somewhere right around there is when we expect him back. Um. Again, though, Max Ray being on the bench. Didn't think that was going to happen. Um... I mean, there's really nothing else I have to say about that except I didn't think that was going to happen. Um, you know, and even like a, a week or two ago, I think last week, maybe it was two weeks ago. Whenever we talked to Mitch Rodrigue, it was uh, he said, "You know, we've been trying to find a home for Chance Lytle. You know, is he a guard? Is he a tackle? Um, looks like his 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 home is starting right tackle, and maybe when uh, Frank gets back, that changes, but." Also, maybe not. Um, Right guard, like I said, Kanan Ray, instead of in front of Casey Roddick. Casey, obviously, dealing with the illness throughout the entire summer, missed spring ball. He's working his way back. Not too surprising to me to see him as the backup right guard instead of the starting right guard um, because of that. Again, I'm excited about Kanan, too, but Casey, to me, is somebody who is... Kind of a big time player, I think, and I wouldn't be surprised to see those roles flip um, at some point during the season. Again, then you start thinking about stuff like Do they just not want Max Ray on tape, you know, it's like things like that. And you know, you look at these guys though and say, yeah, they these could all be starters. Um, again, though, just so we're clear: Jake Wiley, left tackle; Kari Kooch, left guard. Colby Purcell at center, Kane and Ray at right guard, Chance Lytle at right tackle. That's how they'll start the season. Um, The wide receivers. First of all, in the slot, you've got Dimitri Stanley. What we expected, that one was a lock. Behind him, number two, you've got Jalen Jackson. And then Chase Penry, the freshman from Cherry Creek, is at number three. Um, Again, oh, and I just realized, well, well, let's get to the Z receiver. Brendan Rice is your number one Z. They've got Montana Lamonius Craig behind him. And then Chase Penry listed as the number three there too as a freshman. So a couple different spots we see him listed. Um, And then your other receiver spot, the X receiver, you've got Daniel Arias or Levante Chenault. And I've got a lot of thoughts here. Again, I mean, Daniel Arias, it's been years and years and years of saying, okay, is this when he's ready to just go be a freak? You know what? Katie Nixon was comparing him to DK Metcalf last year, but we just haven't talked about him all that much because things didn't go well for him last year. And it did seem like he got passed by guys like Levante Chenault. Um, you see the or here, and that can mean a couple different things. First of all, they could be fairly similar and even football players. And if that's the case, well, there you go. Also, because Levante had some of those troubles in the offseason, the DUI, some some other stuff, could they be putting him as an or more for that reason? Um, who knows? I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if if it is something like Carl wants to get the message across that you aren't that guy for us. You need to go out there and prove it and and earn this job. And who knows? Um, behind those two, though, you do have Ty Robinson, the freshman. (sighs) Yeah. Um, seeing Chase Penry up there is exciting. Jalen Jackson is your backup slot. Not a surprise, but still exciting just because of everything he's been through and because he can probably produce quite a bit from there. Um... Lamonius Craig, we talked about it. I had him as as the number four in front of Arias, um, just just in ranking them, not going position by position. So who knows? Maybe he is. Um, but Penry, exciting for sure. Um, and I need to study up on Ty Robinson, the freshman, I guess. Wow. And then the the most confusing position on the the roster, I thought coming into this, it turns out honestly, I was wrong. There's there's more that I should have been confused about. Um, Was tight end though How did things shake out behind Brady Russell And not going to lie I'm mean, i going to pull up my tight end rankings Because we actually got pretty close here Which is impressive considering there were nine guys And like you have your number one And then there's like six or seven maybe That could go in any order Um, Here is that order though First of all Brady Russell Which we were right about Number two Alec Pell Which again we were right about Number three, Matt Lynch, which we were right about. Number four, Caleb Fourier, who I had number five with Jared Poplowski in front of him. I'm taking that as a win, and not going to lie, did not have many wins <laughs> looking through this depth chart. Um, Russell Pell Lynch Fourier. Heard good things about Fourier during camp. Not, I mean, not like he was the breakout star of camp. Who, who was that? I guess if you had to pick somebody... Honestly, maybe Levante Chenault. Everybody was talking about how good Levante Chenault looks. Um, and, and he's listed as the or with Daniel Arias. Um, but, yeah, there, there's your order. Alec Pell, he gives you a lot from that position. Um, he was also at the soccer game. Got to see him for a minute. Um, Matt Lynch, number three, I think that's good. Could Could we see him in a pinch turn into a quarterback again? We sure could. Um, and killed Fourier, obviously exciting to see him crack the depth chart, uh, could have been, uh, Eric Olson, you know, and another one of those young guys looks like Fourier has the leg up as of right now. Wow. Though. Wow. I was, I, I was batting like 500 on all this and I can't believe it. <laughs> you know, especially that four three three four. You almost do wonder if they're going out running just a four three week one, switching to a three four week two, just to try to throw Texas A and M off and see if you can get a jump on them early, get one quick stop because you're showing them something that they aren't used to, or maybe they totally change the defense, and they're, you know, t- this is who they are now, and they just hid that from us. Wow. <laughs> wow. Oh, uh, we should go through special teams. First of all, Cole Becker, he, he is the kicker. He's the kickoff guy. It's what we expected. He, uh, he, just has a, a big leg. First of all. And as Carl Durrell said during camp, he's the ice man. And actually, uh, so Alex Kinney, the, the punter from a couple years ago was, uh, around today. He was watching practice and came out and talked with us for a minute. And he, uh, he said that he was impressed. He was impressed by Becker. He was impressed by Josh Watts, the punter. Um, probably the long snappers. Uh, but th- there's that, too. Um, but for for kicking, it's Cole Becker, number one, for place kicking and kickoff. Evan Price is number two place kicker. Mac Willis is the number two kickoff guy. At punter, you've got Josh Watts, then Noah Hubbard. No surprise there. Punt return, Dimitri Stanley, then Levante Chenault. No surprise there. I, I think it could have been Brendan Rice as the number two punt returner. Um, but that job is kind of locked up by Dimitri Stanley. Uh kick return. Brendan Rice won. Nico Reed, number two. And that's a new name. Um, you know, we'd heard you know, Christian Gonzalez is, is working there. Obviously Levante Chenault we've seen there. But Nico Reed, the uh freshman cornerback, is your number two kick returner. Um, he's also listed as your number two right cornerback behind Christian Gonzalez. Um, definitely going to be some questions about him with Carl tomorrow. I'll give you that. The, I think I'm, I'm like 90% sure he's a true freshman. Wasn't around last year. Let me double check on that to make sure I'm not just speaking nonsense. Yeah. Yep. Part of the 2021 class. And, I mean, hey, there's imp- that's impressive. You know, if we're talking about the Carl's recruiting and all that, well, guess what? you found somebody who's already number two. Where's Where's he from? I don't know much about him. Hayward, California. Moro Catholic. Number two right cornerback. Number two kick return, which means he's out there on kick return. He's going to be wearing number 25. Wow. Trevor Woods, the number two strong safety. That's exciting. Wearing number 42. That makes me like him even more. Um, another one of these young guys uh, with Ray Robinson coming in number three. What else do we have? Just anything we missed. The cornerback. Um, so so let's say this. Right cornerback, like I said, Christian Gonzalez, then Nico Reed, then Tyron Taylor. I honestly thought Tyron Taylor might be a little bit higher. Another true freshman. Um, left cornerback, you've got Makai Blackman, Nigel Bethel, Kalen Moore. Another two freshmen. I don't know where Chris Miller is on this depth chart. Um, I mean, I, I he he isn't. He isn't on it. He's not listed in the top six cornerbacks or safeties or anywhere in special teams or injury, which honestly just confusing. Um. Anything else I want to touch on before we get out of here? I don't think so. I'm sure I'm gonna see like three more things as soon as this is over though. Josh Watts is the holder again, Matt Lynch the backup. Like still JT Shrout listed as out for an extended period of time. Doesn't have the little star that um indicates he's done for the year. You know, I mean again you you think back to what Carl's said. And what he said is that he's not going to say he's done for the year until a surgeon tells him that after the surgery. Well, he had the surgery last week, and this death chart came out today. So, wow. A lot going on here. A lot going on here. Um, I think that's going to do it for today. And I'll be back tomorrow with McChesney. We're going to talk about some of this stuff, and uh, we'll see what he has to say. And we'll see you then.